Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 44, Princess Navali, heiress of Ramofsi, was born. In this episode, Chapter 45, another threat occurs against Zayraid, Vivin and Alice make a difficult decision, and the second Alor child is born. Alright, let's dive in. Vivin entered the study and found Seb frowning at a document, with a cookie hanging between his lips. Chirp was basking in the sun on the windowsill, his tail waving back and forth lazily. Vivin approached the bureau, and Seb glanced up, nudging a plate of cookies toward him. I'm fine, thank you. Seb bit off a piece of the cookie and mumbled, Suit yourself. There was a crease between Seb's eyebrows. What's wrong? This report makes zero sense. He dropped the folder on his desk and rubbed his brow in stress. He had been working late recently. When he finally joined them in the library each night, he spent a few minutes snuggling with the kids, then went to bed with Fauna. He looked exhausted. You haven't gone out to dinner for a while. I haven't the time. Seb circled and underlined sections of the report, annoyed at the author's mistakes. I was speaking with Ryan earlier. Laura's parents are visiting them, so they could watch Lillian. Seb grunted in reply, mm. and Vivin pressed. And your mother and I can watch Odie. You should go out for a night. Seb gave him an amused grin. I really don't have the time. I'd like to, though. I'll help you with your paperwork so you can finish early. The regent leaned back in his chair and jumped his fingers on the bureau. Why do you want us out of the palace? Vivin grinned. For the simple reason that you're overworked. Don't be so suspicious. Now hand me half of that pile. There were several high-caliber restaurants in the capital city of Rhydon, and when Seb and Fauna appeared at one, they were treated like true royalty. They were given the best seats, and everything they ordered was free for them and their guests. Their glasses were never empty, and at least three waiters attended their table at a time. Ryan and Laura were glad that the royal couple were as uncomfortable with the treatment as they were. Most of the conversation was about their children, though Seb and Ryan usually brought the conversation to Tamerball and dragons. You know, I'm amazed Vivin let you out of Magni without him, Ryan teased as they finished their dessert course. It was a rich cake, coated in chocolate ganache and fresh berries. Fauna fed her husband the fruit, since he had no interest in the cake. He's probably relieved he gets a few minutes away from him, Fauna teased, dabbing a raspberry stain from the corner of Seb's lip. They're probably up to something, Sebastian grumbled. Ren offered to take charge of guarding the royal couple. There was a unit of at least ten other guards positioned inside and outside of the restaurant. The heat of the summer air was tapering off as they walked outside. Night had fallen, but the city was aglow with lantern light. People milled about leisurely, the day's work done. Suddenly, there was screaming. Sebastian and Ren grabbed Fauna and secured her against the side of the restaurant. Dragon! Seb ran into the street in confusion. Dragon? So what? Dragons flew over the city every day. Then, he saw the dragon in question swoop over the building, releasing a flamethrower into the sky. Without having to ask, Nocte landed in front of his tamer. Sebastian leapt onto his back and shouted, Protect her! 
to run. Nocte flew into the sky, and they chased after the rogue dragon. City guards and tamers were flying around it, clearly aggravating it. What do they think they're doing? Seb asked Nocte angrily. We need to stop them before she turns her flames to the buildings. Seb agreed without a word. Nocte blasted toward the turquoise-feathered rogue dragon. The other tamers knew Nocte, of course, and backed off. We need to push her to a clear area so I can calm her down. The communication went to all dragons in the air. They formed a unit and corralled the dragon to a less crowded part of the city. She went surprisingly willingly, landing on the ground and crouching, with her tail lashing. Seb leapt off of Nocte and took a few paces toward her. The feathered dragon growled deeply in her throat, baring her razor-white teeth. Nocte stood, hulking and impressive behind his tamer, discouraging her from attacking. Seb raised his hands and approached her confidently, but cautiously. It was a dance he had performed numerous times since becoming the Great Tamer. She snarled and snorted, her tail still lashing side to side. What's wrong, sweetheart? Seb asked via Vox Draco. The dragon growled again, pawing the ground anxiously. No one here will hurt you, I promise. If they hurt you, I will hurt them. The dragon's growls softened, and Seb was quite near to her now. He could hear the hard breathing of worked-up dragons around them. He reached out and placed a hand on her muzzle. The dragon huffed. There. Now, what has you upset? Seb stroked her jaw. The dragon refused to communicate with him. Her flanks shuddered. Subtle. Her eyes had been closed since Seb approached her. She opened them nervously, and Seb stared at her, frozen. She wasn't in her primal state. Her eyes were large and wary. What? Seb murmured. I'm... I'm not the problem, the turquoise dragon said quietly. I'm the distraction. Seb felt his heart drop. No. No, no, no! He raced back to Nocte, and the dragon lifted off the ground before Seb was even seated. Seb gripped Nocte's scales so tightly, his fingertips went white. He had left Fauna. He chased after the dragon. He never could have imagined. Faster! Seb shouted, desperate to reach his wife. A full complement of guards had the queen surrounded, with the restaurant wall at her back. Seb ran over and grabbed her arms. Are you okay? Are you hurt? Baby! Seb, we're fine, Fauna reassured him, though she looked pale. What's going on? Sebastian looked around, stymied. If Fauna was fine, and Ryan and Laura, then the realization hit him. Ryan! He ran to his friend. Can you take Fauna home with you? Keep her safe? Laura and Ryan were bewildered, but he responded, Yeah, of course. Seb dashed back to Nocte, and they were off with two flaps of his broad wings. The Marble Palace was quiet when Seb had Nocte land in the largest courtyard. He raced through the halls, tearing past Alice and Art, who had been having a conversation until they saw Seb in a panic. It was past the time when everyone would be in the library. The children would be in bed, though Felicita was more often than not in the nursery with Navali. That was where Seb was headed, with Alice and Art only a few paces behind. He burst into the peaceful room. 
Kyle and Felicita stared at him in shock. Are you okay? Seb panted, and saw that the room was undisturbed. Lantern light flickered near the crib. The room was otherwise dark. Kyle instinctively moved Felicita and Navali away from the window, with a hand on his saber. He silenced the princess before she could speak by holding up a hand. His ears twitched. With a quick glance at the three humans at the door, they nodded and slid silently into the shadows of the room. Navali let out a whimper, and Felicita shushed her. Kyle pressed his back to the wall, near the window that was half open. It was one of the balcony rooms. The lace curtains fluttered in the breeze. The elf's slender fingers gripped the hilt of his saber. No one moved. No one made a sound. A black, gloved hand appeared on the windowsill. Then, too. The window was pushed open further, and a leg appeared. Kyle hauled the trespasser inside and slammed him to the floor, unsheathing his saber so swiftly it was a mere glint. The silver blade shone against the assailant's neck. Alice and Art escorted Felicita and the infant out of the room, their own swords drawn. Kyle and Seb were staring down at a woman. She went to speak, and Kyle gripped her neck with one hand, jerking her toward him. He was about to snarl a question when her hood dropped back. They saw her pointed ears and realized she was an elvish assassin. Alice and Arthur re-entered the room, and guards ran past the nursery window. They were securing the palace. Kyle sheathed his weapon and lifted her shirt past her belly button, making Seb step forward appalled. There was a tattoo across her left ribcage. Extremist, he growled and hauled her to her feet. The ensuing conversation was spoken in Ramosian, so that only Seb could understand them. Who was your target? The elvish assassin gazed at him without fear in her green eyes. Do you truly believe you can protect them? Answer my question, Kyle snapped. He had one thumb pressed against her jugular, just light enough so that she could speak. Mixed breeds will never rule. It is perverse, the assassin snarled. You have one more chance to respond before I snap your neck, extremist. Kyle was dead serious, and Seb knew it. The Rhydonian ruler stepped forward and spoke in Elvish. Stop. She's not on Ramofsian soil. She's on ours. We will handle it. She's an elf. I have the authority in drastic times to reprimand. I am giving you a direct order. Release her. We will take care of the questioning. Kyle stepped back reluctantly, and two guards entered to escort her from the room. Before the assassin reached the door, she cast a final comment over her shoulder. If it's of any consolation, her death would have been painless. Sebastian had to throw himself at Kyle to block him from the assassin. Kyle strode forward, ignoring Seb's heavy body. He went to draw his saber, and Art and Vivian ran over, aiding Seb. Calm down, Seb grunted, pushing Kyle back with his full weight. I didn't take you for the kind of gent to hit a lady, Art commented when the elf had calmed down. Kyle sheathed his saber and replied without the bat of any eyelash. I would cut down any man, woman, or child who attempted to harm Felicita or my children. He strode out of the room, and Seb caught the eye of Alice and Vivian. Fauna's at Ryan's. Let's go. As Fauna walked into the master bedroom, Seb turned to Alice and Vivian. 
Wait here. They stood in silence for 15 minutes until their regent reappeared. Come on. He walked ahead of them to his study with no rush in his step. He sat down at his bureau and motioned for them to sit. They remained standing. Sebastian ran a hand through his hair a few times, looking genuinely exhausted. After a moment of waiting for Seb to speak, Vivian asked, Are you all right? Sebastian exhaled heavily and murmured, There were five, ten minutes where I thought Fauna was the target. Alice and Vivian stared at the ground. They could only imagine what Seb went through in those minutes, with the thoughts of his wife and his unborn child at risk. He took a deep breath and began, What happened with Zayraid was a freak accident. There was little anyone could have done to prevent it. This, however... As they returned from retrieving Fauna, they had heard Kyle reaming his elvish guards. Some of them had barely heard him say more than a few words before. Now he was yelling at them with the full force of his wrath. Two elvish guards had been rendered unconscious by sleeping darts. Kyle informed his guards that as soon as they woke, the pair would be returning to Ramofsi to be discharged. This was a breach of security. It doesn't matter that it wasn't an attempt on Fauna or Odie or I. Seb was terribly uncomfortable with the conversation. You two are the head guards, head of security. For the next month, any spare time you have is to be spent training the guards, harder than they've ever experienced. I need to be assured that if something like this ever happens again, that the assailant will not reach a balcony window, or any window. I don't want them setting a single foot inside the compound. Seb lifted his tired, honey-brown eyes to his former mentors. And if this happens again, someone will need to be reprimanded. And it's not the general guards who will take the fall. We understand, Vivin said quietly. Seb rubbed his thighs wearily. You know, I think the world of you two, and I have no doubt of your abilities as personal guards. Seb, it's all right. Alice hushed. They all knew what would happen if there was another assassination attempt on Felicita or her children. Lord Oril would force Felicita back to Ramofsi. Rhydon would lose its most powerful ally, and Zayraid would be put into questionable positions, to say the least. Sebastian stood and cracked his knuckles. I'm going to check on everyone, then I'm going to bed. I'm bringing in a physician tomorrow to make sure Fauna's all right. The following morning, Seb was met by Felicita at his door. Kyle stood a few feet back, with Nivali at his shoulder. Thank you. She spoke softly in Elvish, and embraced the Great Tamer. Thank you so much, Seb. He held her tight and whispered, I promised you that I would do everything within my power to keep you happy and safe, didn't I? Felicita gazed at him with her violet eyes. She touched his cheek and kissed it gratefully, and went on her way to wake up Zayraid. Seb was met with a ruckus when he walked into the garden with Vivin. The turquoise dragon from the night before was snapping at guards who thrust silver-tipped pikes at her. Hey! Seb hollered and raced over. He shooed away the guards and extended his hand to the dragon. Nocte's jealousy sensor was uncanny. He landed next to them. Seb spoke to the female dragon. What brings you here? 
you could be held accountable for the attempted assassination last night. She shifted from paw to paw nervously. You could have slain me last night as well. The Great Tamer shook his head. No, that's not my way. I don't hurt dragons. The feathered dragon sniffed Seb's face curiously and Nocte growled. She spoke. I want you to know that I never wanted to hurt anyone here. Sebastian stroked her jaw. I believe you. What were you doing with the elf? You aren't hers. The dragon purred at the level of understanding the human possessed. I belong to no one anymore. She sought me out and coerced me into the distraction last evening. Coerced you? How? The dragon sat on her haunches and curled her tail over her paws. She saw that I was expecting. She followed me, and when I laid my egg, she appeared and threatened to crush it if I refused to comply. Your egg? Seb echoed in wonder. Where is it? I can take you there. She set traps around it. I can't touch it. Vivin stepped in. It's dangerous. We can send a few tamers with her. Seb raised an eyebrow at him, and Vivin stepped back. Take me there. Alice and a few other guards accompanied the men into the forest. It was far back into the king's wood that the dragon had laid her egg. A series of booby traps were angled to shatter the egg if anyone, dragon or otherwise, tried to free it. Alice carefully stepped between the traps, lithe and calculating. Vivin didn't want her to do it. He wanted to find another way. Sharp arrows pointed down at her and the egg. One misstep and... Alice crouched down next to the glistening shell, examining the ground for weighted traps. Gingerly, she lifted the egg and returned the way she came. She passed the egg to Seb with a sigh of relief, who signaled for the ropes holding the traps to be severed. The arrows rained down, piercing the earth. The Great Tamer examined the glossy egg in awe. It was unusual and gorgeous. It was a deep, scarlet red, with black splotches painted across it. What's the plan? Vivin asked, eyeing the mother dragon. Seb walked over and held the egg out to her. She brushed it with her muzzle. Safe. Sebastian nodded. Do you want it back? The dragon tented her wings. Once an egg is laid, they are rarely disturbed, unless it's in danger. Seb held it to his chest. Then, would you mind if I held on to it? I know some potential tamers. The dragon was pleased. In your hands, I know it's safe. You have my blessing. Seb gave her one more pat goodbye, and he returned to the palace. Lord Oril returned in September, though he made it quite clear that he would have come sooner. Due to previous engagements that were near inescapable, he had to wait to scold the Romofsian guards and ride on. Zayraid was nearing his third birthday come the new year, and he was adorable. As soon as he saw the elvish king, he cried the Romofsian word for grandpa, and the king's heart softened. Zayraid wasn't as talkative as Odax, who was frequently saying words out of context. Nevertheless, he reached up for his grandfather's hand and led him to the mantle in the private common room. He pointed to the red and black dragon egg resting on the marble mantle. That's mine! 
is it now? Lord Oral had heard about the egg from Felicita's letters. It was beautifully marked, that was for certain. It's all he talks about. Felicita smiled with Navali in her arms. There she is. The Elvish king grinned and held his granddaughter. She had the long body of an Elvish baby, and her ears were growing nicely. She looked so much like Kyle, it was endearing. Her fine, soft hair was white blonde, and her eyes were becoming a paler blue with each week that passed. No Vigosian eyes for this one, hmm? No. Felicita smiled softly and patted Navali's back. Zay looks somewhat like me, and she looks like Kai. I am content with that. Lord Uril walked in on Seb tossing his son in the air, who was screaming with joy. He cursed the greats for making the regent so difficult to hate. He wished to growl at the regent for another assassination attempt occurring, but Seb was smiling so broadly that the elf couldn't help but do the same. Fauna, when he saw her, had grown quite round with her second child. Her grey eyes were bright and kind, and her skin glowed from a healthy pregnancy. She rubbed her stomach and exhaled steadily that evening in the library. Is it an active one? The Elvish King asked. Fauna nodded with a sigh. Oh, you have no idea. Seb lifted Odax from the carpet where they were playing and crouched down in front of Fauna's round belly. Do this. Seb placed his hand on his wife's stomach. Odax touched his mother tentatively and jumped when he felt a kick. Whoa, was that scary? Seb chuckled. Odax blinked and pressed his entire cheek against his mother's belly, giggling each time the baby kicked. Seb kissed Odax's head with a laugh. Lord Orel crept through the misty woods. King Alor had invited him on an early morning hunt. Grimmin was nearby, as well as the new guard, whose eagerness made up for her lack of experience. Seb was off to their right. Vivin and Ren were with him. Greats knew where the wolfhounds ran to. If there was something the Elvish King could truly appreciate about Rhydon, it was the massive wildlife. An elk burst through the trees in a flurry of dead leaves. He released the silver arrow he had knocked in his bow. It pierced the elk's rump, and it dashed through the undergrowth. He tisked. It wasn't a clean kill by any means. They chased after it, with seven company taking the lead. All of a sudden, there was a strange bellow from the elk, followed by the high-pitched yelp of an injured dog. Seb called out and lengthened his stride, stumbling upon the scene seconds before the elves. The elk was motionless on the forest floor, and one of the wolfhounds as well. His brother was growling in front of him, his ears flat to his head. Four black-clad strangers stared back at the royalty. There was an electric silence for a moment, until one charged forward and Seb ran to meet them. Grimmin and the second guard closed off Lord Oril from the mini-battle, but he could see everything. The strangers carried swords. Seb didn't, though Vivin and Ren did. That could hardly stop the Great Tamer. Seb knocked an arrow with incredible speed and shot the closest enemy square in the eye. He dropped instantly, and Seb swiftly grabbed the discarded sword. He leapt over the corpse and swung at the next opponent. Blocked. With brute force, Sebastian kicked the bandit in the gut, and as he fell back, Seb swung the sword again. The neck didn't sever completely, the blade was too dull for that. 
Seb stood over the bandit and plunged the sword into his heart. Ren and Vivin had eliminated the other threats. Or, Vivin had. Ren's opponent lived, since he only disabled the man at his knee. Seb walked over. Here, let me get that for you. He stabbed the final bandit in the heart as well, and tossed the bloodied sword aside. Ren gazed at the deceased enemy for a moment. Unless it was necessary, elves did not take a life. By taking a life, they took hundreds of years from their enemy. But this was right on, and humans lived short, short lives. Seb hurried over to Bracken, who was motionless. Bramble paced and barked miserably around his brother. Sebastian checked his pulse. He's alive. An arrow stuck out of the hound's flank. Lord Oral brushed past his guards and healed the dog effortlessly. Bracken whimpered in his unconscious state at the pain. Sebastian picked up the massive dog with a grunt of exertion, the wolfhounds were practically small ponies, and heaved him over both shoulders. That elk shouldn't go to waste. Could somebody field dress it, please? Seb started to walk back toward the palace. Uh, what about the bodies? Ren found himself asking. Sebastian glanced at the bloodied bandits. The pygmies and predators will take care of them over the next few days. Don't worry, he replied lightly. He whistled for Bramble to follow him, and the dog trotted away from the guards. You can field dress, right? Vivin asked Ren. The elf nodded, still somewhat stunned that the bandits were being left to the elements. Vivin handed him his sharp hunting knife. Mind the bladder and intestines. The human guard was as unfazed of the situation as his king. Lord Oral sat in one of the plush wing-back chairs that evening, cradling Navali in his arms. The infant was fast asleep, her porcelain cheeks flushed. The library had its usual calm. Felicita was playing a soothing piece on the piano. Kyle was walking around with Sayraid, falling asleep on his shoulder. And Maria had Odax. At the other end of the couch, Fauna sat with her husband's head in her lap. His face was turned to her large stomach and the book he had been reading was resting on his chest. Seb was fast asleep. Fauna ran her fingers through his hair, spiking it up and laying it flat, over and over. Lord Oral wondered if Fauna knew how ruthless her husband could be. He looked as sweet and endearing as all young men did as they slept. That morning, he had slain three bandits. Would it change Fauna's opinion of him if she knew how easily he had killed them? Seb stirred in his sleep and suddenly mumbled, Spiders on the roof. Fauna rested a hand on her stomach as she stifled a giggle. Lord Oral gazed at Alice and Vivin, who were laughing at the dreaming regent. They, too, could kill with indifference. Kyle, with the little prince in his arms, made an excellent guard for exactly the same reason. Seb exclaimed, Spiders! and jumped in his sleep, falling off the couch. He groaned as the room riffled with muted laughter. No one wanted to wake the children. He stared up at the ceiling and mumbled, I just had the weirdest dream about spiders. Fauna couldn't contain her laughter anymore. As soon as she started, Maria caught it, and Alice. Seb rested his chin on his wife's knee and gave her his sweet smile. He may have been cold-hearted to bandits and slacking officials, However, he was anything but with the people in the mirthful library. Vivin kissed Alice's neck deeply. 
So far, he was undressed to his briefs, and Alice had her shirt remaining. He backed up to the foot of the bed and sat on the wooden chest. Alice straddled his lap and kissed his lips, running her hands down his body. Vivin lifted the hem of her shirt, and she placed her hands on his, and laced their fingers together. They made out for another minute before he attempted again. She moved his hand once more, and Vivin huffed. What? Alice breathed, trying to kiss him. I've let it slide for a few weeks now, but we need to discuss this, Allie. Vivin made eye contact, and Alice sank down on his lap. What's going on? The young woman looked away and bit her lip. I'm... I'm just feeling insecure about the scar, Vivi. Don't give me that. I'm covered in scars. I don't care about them, Vivin said sternly. Alice went silent, stroking his chest hair absentmindedly. You've been pulling away for a while. Vivin had to say it, though it made him feel a bit sick. If you've come off me and you're worried about keeping your guard position, don't be. That won't change. Vivin, no! Alice exclaimed, clasping his face in her hands. I love you as much as I always have. He stood, removing Alice from his lap. What is it then? You're not happy, and I can tell. He walked over to the window and gazed out. A storm was beginning, and rain lashed the windows. Alice stood in the middle of the room, staring at his broad, muscular back. You're not happy here are you? She cleared her throat. <sighs> Don't get me wrong, Vivi. I love Seb and Fauna and Odie. I just... I wasn't... I wasn't prepared for how mundane and repetitive this life is. I tried to tell you, he murmured and placed his left palm on the windowpane. Steam flushed the glass around his skin. This type of work isn't for everyone. There's more... Alice had to force out the words. I I don't feel like I'm needed anymore. I feel like anyone could do this job. There's little action, and when there is, our asses get ripped out for letting the action occur in the first place. She went over to the bed and flopped down, hugging a pillow to her chest. I miss the days when we fought side by side, flying our dragons over the valley, never knowing what was going to happen the following day. Vivin joined her on the bed, what do you propose we do? He didn't want to agree or disagree with anything that she said. Alice shrugged. After their next one is born, maybe after a few months, we return to the Oren. Or just fly around and, and see what we stumble across. Even if it's just a break, a vacation. She sat up excitedly at the idea. We don't have to leave forever, just long enough to find adventure again. Her blue eyes pleaded deeply. That would make you happy? Vivin stroked her bare thigh. Yes, I would be happy. You'll smile again like you used to, and take off your damn shirt? Vivin said the last part with a faint smirk. That, I really am feeling insecure about. Vivin sat up. Fine. If a break is what you need, I'll bring it up to Seb next year. And if they get along well enough without us. Vivin loathed the idea. Odax called him Grandpa, and smiled every time he saw him. The guard adored Fauna and Maria, and he truly couldn't imagine his life without Seb, no matter how much of a pain in the ass he could be. Alice, the woman he had pledged his heart to, gazed into his eyes expectantly.
he knew she loved him. She had opened up to him more than any other person, alive or dead. Then I guess they won't need us anymore. Alice leaned forward and kissed his lips. Whatever happens, I want to be with you, Vivi. Vivian removed the troublesome thoughts from his mind. No thinking about the future now. It was time to focus on her. He placed a hand on her torso and felt a raised scar underneath her shirt. Insecure, he murmured and brushed his lips against the fabric. Alice felt tense as he slipped an arm around her. I could never describe you that way. You're a fearless warrior, through and through. You're beautiful. Vivian gazed up at her and smiled softly. Even if every inch of your skin was covered in bruises and scars, you would still take my breath away, sweetheart. Alice relaxed in his arms, allowing her body to press against his. Vivian grinned when he saw her uncertain pout. But you can blindfold me if you want. Would that make you feel better? Alice giggled. Can I blindfold you anyway? Yes, please. Vivian chuckled. He found himself holding his breath as Alice took his hand and slipped it under her shirt. She placed his hand on the scar, and he gazed at her steadily. What do you want me to do? He whispered. Alice smirked and hovered her lips above his. Make me forget it's there. The storm broke by breakfast the next morning, though Fauna was adamant. No one was allowed in her garden until the soggy earth dried again. It would have been torture for her to look out and see torn grass and indented footprints frozen in place by the breath of frost. Most of the flowers had wilted in the early fall, so it wasn't a major loss to be kept away from her garden for a day. Seb and Vivin took the massive front doors to go for their jog instead. The Great Tamer had a meeting with the financial advisor of Crescent Canyon for an hour. Seb huffed as he walked out of the meeting, and Vivin carried several folders for him. I need a coffee. If my kids ever need a nap, I'll just take them to one of those meetings. Seb trailed off as they entered the atrium with the wide, marble staircase to the second floor. Arthur and Maria were arguing. The left side of her body was covered in mud. She took the first step upstairs, and Art grabbed her wrist. Seb ran to her without hesitation, and Art released her wrist, lest the tall young man body-check him to the floor. "'What do you think you're doing, Art?' Sebastian growled, putting himself between them. Before he could speak, Maria placed a hand on her son's shoulder. "'Sebby, take it easy.' Seb narrowed his eyes at Art and turned to his mother. "'What did he do? Are you all right?' Maria gazed at her son fondly. Seb was her unyielding protector. He did nothing wrong, sweetheart. I pushed my horse a little too hard, and he slipped in the mud. She tugged on her soiled cardigan. And I fell. Art wanted me to see a physician, and I refused. But you should see a physician, Seb exclaimed, changing his tune instantly. Maria smiled and kissed his cheek. You worry too much. Her son frowned. No. I just don't know what I'd do if I lost you. Seb's confession panged their hearts. He squeezed her hand gently. Please see one, Mom. All right, Sebby. She agreed reluctantly. Now, unless someone has a problem with it, I'm going to change my clothes. 
They watched her disappear over the stairs, and Sebastian turned to Art. I'm sorry I jumped to conclusions, but don't ever grab my mother again. He and Vivian continued on in their hunt for caffeine. Sebastian went to check on her before dinner, with Odax at his shoulder. He knocked on the door and stepped inside. To his surprise, Lord Oriel was having tea with her, and it looked like he had interrupted a pleasant conversation. They both wore lingering smiles. Uh, hey, he greeted eloquently. Hey yourself, Maria grinned and set her tea and saucer on a petite table she had brought out for company. You asked me to see a physician, so I have. Seb was still a bit flustered, so the Elvish king quipped in. Unless I do not count. Odax poked Seb's stubble cheek, and he replied, You count. I'm sorry I interrupted. Do you have Odie's blankie, Mom? Maria stood and moved, somewhat stiffly, Seb noticed, to her workstation in the corner of the room. It had a small hole, so I patched it for him. She handed it to Odax, who held it to his mouth comfortingly. Seb gently pried it away from his son's mouth and said, Thank you, Grandma. He smirked at her. I was going to offer to escort you to dinner, but it seems you already have one. Maria gave him a dirty look, and Seb left with a grin. He is quite attentive to his family, Lord Oral commented, finishing his tea. Maria sat down with a sigh. <sighs> with his family, yes. He's grown out of it some but he more often than not has his head in the clouds. He watched her weary expression for a moment. Ah, that is where Tamer's head belongs. Art sulked when the Elvish King not only escorted Maria to dinner, but to the library afterward as well. He played chess in the back corner of the room with Vivin, who told him rather unsympathetically to pull his head out of his ass, and focus on the match. Seb sighed and closed a book resolutely after half an hour. <sighs> Fauna, who was cuddling Odax, asked, What? I've finally done it. Seb's eyes wandered around the room. Lost your marbles? Art grumbled. Nope, that happened a while ago. Sebastian stood with the book in his hand. I've finally read every book in this library. He was met by exclamations of disbelief as he returned the book to its spot on one of the tall bookshelves. I would have finished far sooner. Working for a living has really held me back. Vivin chuckled. Only Seb would refer to a regency as that. So what now? Fauna questioned. Are you going to start learning piano to occupy your time? Nope. I'll reread them all. Seb took another book from a high shelf and paused when he saw the look his wife was giving him. Instead of enriching your life with something new and interesting, you're going to reread thousands of books? Fauna asked with a degree of contempt. The young man sat down and opened the book. Maybe I'll read them all backwards this time. They'll seem new and definitely interesting. Fauna rolled her eyes, and Maria took Odax to relieve some of the pressure on the queen's large belly. She had been uncomfortable all day, and wanted nothing more than a bath and a massage. She read her own book for a while, before gazing across the settee at her husband. His handsome face was illuminated by the firelight. He read the book intently, with his head propped on one fist. Seb, she said softly at first, so she wouldn't disturb anyone else. 
She repeated his name a little louder, drawing the attention of the other adults. Seb. The regent still didn't stir, too engrossed in a book he had already read. Fauna thumbed her lip with a faint smirk. Seb, I'm going to have a bath. Are you coming? When he merely grunted, Fauna smiled and shook her head. She pushed herself off of the couch with some effort and walked past him without another word. Everyone stared at Sebastian, amused that he was so absorbed in the book. A moment passed, and Seb looked up from the pages. Wait a minute, he murmured. The wheels turned in his head. With sudden realization, he leapt to his feet and threw the book down. Hey, wait! He raced after her, making everyone laugh. Seb poked his head around the library door. You've got him, right, Mom? Maria nodded, and Seb disappeared. The grandmother smiled at the toddler in her arms, who pressed his knitted blanket to his lips. She could remember Seb doing the exact same thing nearly 20 years ago. Lord Oral bade his farewell and promised to return for Zayred's birthday in the new year. By the time Fauna was due, her parents and brother arrived, and Matthias. Odax was a wonderful toddler, full of curiosity and affection. He lacked stranger danger, something that Charles and Rosalind agreed could do more harm than good. It made Charles' blood boil to hear Vivian called Grandpa when Odax didn't even recognize his true grandfather. Fauna rubbed her belly, which was terribly cumbersome. The elves were out, allowing the little family reunion to be private. They had no desire to hear bickering, in truth. So, Teddy, Fauna asked her brother, who sat next to her, what have you been up to? He had been gone on business for several months. Work, he replied shortly. Fauna saw his subtle glance to their father, and she nodded. Charles pressed. What manner of work, Theodore? Answer your sister politely. Seb handed both bind men a tumbler of rye. He had one himself, and hoped it would relieve some of the tension in the room. Matthias and Maria had gone for a walk around the palace, since it was icy and cold outside. Theo cleared his throat. I, uh, I've started my own business. Have you now? Charles inspected the crystal tumbler, showing disinterest in his son. Fauna took her brother's hand and smiled. That's wonderful, Teddy. What is it? Theo stared at his father as he answered. It's a jewelry business. Seb shivered next to Vivin. They were standing off to the side of the room to give the binds space. Odak squirmed on Charles' lap and repeated, Down, several times until his feet hit the floor. He toddled over to his father, who picked him up and whispered, Smart move. You learn quick. What do you specialize in? Charles asked coldly. Theo shrugged. I'd rather not say, since it hasn't officially launched yet. Sebastian and Vivian took their chances and escaped, while Alice gave them a look of loathing. I think it's bad luck to mention these things in advance. Theo continued, and Fauna squeezed his hand. A man can never tell when someone might try to... Theo winced and glanced down at his hand. Fauna was squeezing it unnecessarily tight. He saw Fauna's flushed face and asked, Fauna, is it the baby? Is it coming? When his sister nodded, Theo yelled for Seb. The young man had been walking back and forth in front of the doors with Odax. He burst into the room. He saw his wife in pain and handed Odax to Vivian. Seb and Theo put her arms around their shoulders and helped her upstairs, a horribly long distance for a woman in labor. 
Maria sat outside of the room. Rosalind was in the master chambers with her daughter, and Felicita was there as well. Maria held Odax on her lap and kept him amused with stories. Kyle asked Seb the same question as last time. What was he hoping for? The king stopped his pacing for a moment and admitted, A girl. One of each is all we need. He resumed his pacing and added, I want a little princess to spoil. What a softie you are, Matthias grinned, sitting next to Maria. Seb shrugged. I have my little boy to go hunting with, and trap bugs, and play sports. If I had another, I'd be fine with that. You're having a girl, Maria said firmly. I've made countless lacy clothes to fit her for a year. Kyle patted Navali's back as she dozed on his shoulder. He agreed with Seb. One of each, a daughter to spoil. Zayraid played with a wooden dragon on the floor, keeping himself busy. Theo watched him with an amused grin. How simple life was at that age. Charles had been wandering around at the end of the corridor, and he strolled back over. I'm going out for a cigar. Are you coming, Theodore? I want to be here until it's born. These things take time. Your mother was in labor for two days with you. Theo shrugged, leaning against the wall. I'll stand here for two days if I have to. It had only been an hour so far. Charles gave him a look of annoyance and left. Theo grinned at Seb. Wouldn't it be perfect if it happened right? Felicita appeared at the door. Seb, come on. Seb blinked in surprise and hurried after her. Matthias stood and slapped Theo's shoulder. Guess you'd better get your father, hmm? Sebastian knew his wife was in far worse pain than her delivery with Odax. He hadn't thought it possible. She gripped his hand until it turned purple, and she screamed in pain at every push. Great above, this child must hate me already. She gasped between her short contractions. Don't say that. Sebastian flexed his hand to return blood flow. I'm sure his hand was subjected to her death grip again. This is it, the physician announced. The midwives braced themselves. They were keeping Fauna's legs lifted with handheld straps. Fauna's breath came in short, labored puffs between her cries of pain. Outside of the master chambers, the adults did everything they could to keep the young children calm. No one wanted to leave with the birth so close, but Zaraid was clinging to his father's leg, and Odax was whimpering on Maria's lap. Theo wondered if he should tell his sister how their father paled at the sound of her screams. Art and Alice, who were standing guard at the top of the staircase, could hear Fauna as well. They stood in silence. It sounded awful. Theo sat on the ground and picked up Zayraid's toy. The toddler eyed him warily, still clutching Kyle's leg. Theo tried to coax him over, asking if the toy had a name, or if it breathed fire. With no luck, he rummaged in his pocket and pulled out a silver coin. Zayraid's violet emerald eyes locked onto the shiny object. Do you want to see a magic trick? The prince cautiously walked over to Theo and stood in front of him. Theo placed the coin in the palm of his hand, and with a flutter of his fingers and the raising of his hand, the coin vanished. Wow! Zayraid exclaimed, ignorant of Fauna's cries now. Theo did a few more little tricks, fascinating the toddler. As he pulled the coin out from behind the toddler's ear and handed it to him, everyone became conscious of the silence in the air. Theo rose to his feet and stared at the door nervously. A few moments later, the door was opened by a midwife, 
and Seb stepped out with a little bundle in his arms. A wave of relief washed over everyone, and Alice and Art ran around the corner just in time. Sebastian crouched down in front of his mother and son. Say hello to your baby sister, Odie. Maria clasped her hands together in delight, and Odax placed a hand on the bundle. Mine? Yeah, little man. She's yours. Seb grinned softly. Do you want to hold her, Mom? Yes. She set her grandson on the floor and accepted the gently grunting bundle. Sebastian lifted his son using one arm. His left hand was red and purple. Is Fauna all right, Sebby? He took a moment to respond, choosing his words carefully. She needs rest. Maria carried the infant to Charles. Theo cleared his throat. <sighs> Have you named her? Seb rocked Odax comfortingly. I think we're going to wait to unveil her name. Let Fauna rest a bit. Mummy? Odax watched the closed door, then looked up to his father. Please, Mummy. Mummy is having a nap, buddy. Matthias took Odax so Vivin could pass the infant back to Seb. Can you watch him for a while, Mum? I'm going to stay with her. Felicita appeared at the door, and the regent went inside with the bundle. Mala! Zerid cried and ran to her, hugging her legs. The Romovsian princess looked exhausted as well. He showed her his new coin proudly as the small crowd dispersed. Matthias sat Odax up on his shoulder and put his arm around Maria. Vivin had no doubt that Matthias had done the same thing with Seb when he was small, and that that was where the young man had learned it from. The mixed-match family learned that Fauna's delivery, though swift, caused significant blood loss. She stayed in bed for several days. Odax was happy since he spent the days playing in his parents' room with his father. His new sister seemed to enjoy crying. Every so often, his grandma or grandpa would come and see the baby, then take him out for a walk in the snow. His uncle Kyle was holding him when a little party got together one evening before dinner. Fauna's cheeks still lacked color, but she was alert, walking around, and smiling at the naming party. Maria held the infant, glowing with pride. The baby had pink knitted mitts and a hat, and a soft onesie she had fabricated as well. Tea and sweets were carried on platters by several servants. Ryan and his family were there in addition to the usual palace ensemble. The merriment continued for a while, until Theo tapped his glass and said, You've kept us in suspense for days. Let's learn her name. All right, Teddy, Fauna conceded. Seb, do you want to? I did Odie's. It's your turn. Fauna clasped her hands together. After days of deliberation, Fauna said pointedly for her brother's sake, We've decided to name her Lumen Livy Alor. Alice instantly looked up at Vivin, who was standing next to her. She could tell from the gentle light in his eyes that he already knew their choice for the middle name. Lumen, like Odax, was another old Rhydonian word, meaning light. There was a clamor of approval, and Seb let Nocte know that they had revealed the name. I take a great deal of pleasure in knowing her name from the moment she was born. Yes, you're the only one who knew, Nock, Seb replied with amusement. Ren, who had been away from the palace for Lumen's birth, asked to hold her. Maria wasn't left unaccompanied for long. Theo brought her a fresh cup of tea and a smile. I bet she's going to look like Fawn. Maria nodded. I think you're right. Her hair is so short and light, I doubt she'll be brunette. Theo pulled out a thin, rectangular box from the pocket of his blazer and handed it to her. 
I have something for you. What's the occasion? Maria asked in surprise. I have a little something for everyone in the family. Well, except for Charles. Theo whispered, conscious of his father across the room. He ruffled his short, fine brown hair as she opened the box. A beautiful, braided leather bracelet rested on a small red velvet cushion. A highly polished black opal stone was held in place by thin silver wiring at the top of the bracelet. Greats above, this is gorgeous, Teddy. Where did you get it? I made it. He grinned. Are you serious? Maria searched his smoky gray eyes in awe. Yes, Auntie. Theo blushed and smiled. I'm starting a jewelry business, independent of my father. I'm going to specialize in leather. You know those deals I was putting through for Sebi? Maria nodded, and Theo continued. Ogre leather is fantastic if it's cured properly. It's soft, but highly durable. It won't tear, and it doesn't matter if you get it wet. Where will you be based? Here. I'm going to buy a house and convert the front half into a store to start. You'll be close to us, Maria beamed happily. Yes, I'll be on your doorstep. Theo squeezed her hand with a grin. Maria brushed her thumb over the stone. Never forget how important and precious family is, sweetheart. Stay close, but follow your dreams and don't be pressured by what's going on in Seb and Fauna's lives. You're going to go places, Teddy. She stroked his stubbled cheek affectionately and gave it a kiss. Now, help me put this on. Charles didn't have to ask where the new accessories came from. Sebastian, Alice, Vivian, and Art had leather half-bracers. Intricate designs were etched into each, all unique and beautiful. The ladies had bracelets or earrings, with stones and jewels inlaid one way or another. Theo confessed that he stole the idea from his sister. The leather bracelet that Seb constantly wore was his inspiration. He would be spending the winter in Imperior, but come spring, he was going to travel again to spread word of his new business. He promised that when he wasn't creating inventory, or courting ladies, though he kept that to himself, he would be at the palace to spend time with his niece and nephew. Matthias stayed at Magnitectus for a few days longer than the Binds. It afforded him some private time with his family away from home. He and Maria sat on a settee one evening, watching Seb play with the toddlers. He was on the rug in front of the fireplace, laying on his back. Zayraid and Odax took turns running over to him and throwing themselves at him. Seb caught them and tossed them into the air before setting them down. The cycle repeated until the boys slowed, and then it was story time. They found comfortable spots to rest on the Great Tamer, and he read them a fairy tale. He acts just like him sometimes, doesn't he? Matthias murmured. His arm was around Maria, and he stroked her wavy hair gently. More and more, it seems, she replied, smiling as Odak struggled to keep his eyes open. He was snuggled against his father, using his shoulder as a pillow. Zayraid took the liberty of falling asleep spread-eagle on Seb's chest, much to Felicita's amusement. She sent Kyle over to remove him, but Seb shook his head, more than content to have him there. I often wonder, Maria whispered. Wonder what? She remained silent for a moment, then started afresh. I think the difference between them is that Seb planned on marrying Fauna, then the need for adventure hit him. It was the opposite with Sperry. Matthias didn't reply, though he agreed. He had known Seb's father just as long as Maria, 
and he understood what she meant. Seb had his obligations and dreams centered around his family, and that was enough to ground him. If you're worried about Seb, that he's going to act like Spiri, I don't think you have to. The young man had set aside the book and was rubbing Zayraid's back as he himself fell asleep. Maria glanced at Matthias and smiled with a tinge of bitterness. Am I a horrible person for thinking that maybe it was for the best? Maria trailed off, unable to complete the sentence. Matthias could finish it for her. In the end, he tried. He did change for you, Maria, because he loved the two of you more than... more than anything. Matthias brushed her ear tenderly, gazing into her honey-brown eyes. She held his gaze for a moment, then cast her eyes again to her son and whispered, I know he did. Shortly after Matthias left, Seb was called away from the palace again. Fauna was anxious at his leaving. Lumen was only a few weeks old, and the winter weather was in full force. Seb stroked her cheek at the entrance in the Great Hall. Stop worrying, Fawn. Don't stress. I'll be gone for a week max, I promise. You won't miss me. Seb regretted what he said immediately. His wife's eyes watered. Her hormones were still fluctuating from the pregnancy, and she had been rather delicate lately. Sebastian kissed her head and gave her a tight hug. I'll be back soon. Fauna nodded, and he secured her shawl around her before heading out the massive doors. His farewell to his kids had been brief, since they were asleep in the early morning. His mother had assured him the night before that she would help Fauna with the children. One week was all they would have to manage without him. Needless to say, when he arrived the day after he was expected to return, Fauna was cross with him. He barely made it through the common room door when Odak saw him and raced over, shouting, Daddy! Over and over. Seb stooped to pick him up and gave him a kiss. Fauna was patting Lumen over her shoulder, and she refused to so much as look his way. Seb grinned. If that was the way she wanted to act, so be it. He took a few steps forward with a perceivable limp. Maria fussed over him instantly, leading him to a chair. Mom, I'm fine, really. Seb grunted as Odax chattered incessantly in his ear. Fauna focused on patting Lumen's back. Well, what happened? How hurt are you? Maria pressed, her face etched with worry. Seb glanced at Vivin. He was busy catching up with Alice. It's a bit of a long story. We have time. Seb shifted in his seat. Odax hung off of his neck like a bloodthirsty leech. We were traveling when a blizzard hit out of nowhere. The dragons were having difficulty navigating, and we couldn't see a thing ourselves. Somehow we managed to stumble upon an unfriendly dispute between a couple of tamers, so we asked them to land. Odax was fiddling with Seb's necklace, the token that Fauna had given him years ago. We tried to defuse the situation, but the dragons were riled. So of course he throws himself in between them. Vivin threw in, evidently keeping an ear on the conversation. Of course, Seb grumbled. Anyway, I may have gotten stepped on. Thankfully, the snow cushioned it, otherwise my foot would have been crushed, he added lightly. Both his mother and his wife stared at him, unamused. Vivin pulled me away from them, and the dragon settled down. Happy ending. Fauna rose to her feet, attempting to soothe the baby, who was starting to fuss. Odax rummaged through Seb's pocket and pulled out the golden watch. Daddy, is it bath time? Seb glanced at the watch, 
It wasn't their usual time, but he sensed it might be a good idea. Yeah, maybe it will help Daddy warm up. Yeah! Odak shouted in excitement. Vivin went in to check on the pair. He heard them laughing and the water splashing. Seven Odaks were facing each other in the sudsy clawfoot tub, with their hairs spiked at all angles. Vivin recalled a similar scene with Nocte in place of Odaks, in a river not too far from Deep Creek. Odaks giggled contagiously, and Seb beamed at Vivin. Fauna left us unsupervised. I know, a scary thought. Vivin smirked and leaned against the sink basin. Grandpa, look! Daddy's hair! So silly! Odax pointed at his father and giggled. Seb grinned and took a pitcher of water and dumped it over Odax's soapy body, plastering his brown hair to his head. Seb lifted him out of the water as the toddler rubbed his eyes clear. Can you grab a towel? Vivin unfolded a plush, thick towel and wrapped Odax in it, carrying him over to the vanity. Vivin tossed Seb another towel and started rubbing down the toddler. Odax pouted. I want silly hair. What do you say? Please. Vivin toweled Odax's hair vigorously, spiking it up. The toddler giggled at his reflection in the large mirror. Fauna slipped into the bathroom, smiling softly at her son's laughter. Can I have a minute with Seb, please? Vivin tossed the towel over Odax's head and picked him up, throwing him over his shoulder playfully. Odax was shouting gleefully as the door was shut behind them. Sebastian inclined his head to the bathwater that he was still standing in. It's still warm. Fauna shook her head, her arms folded across her chest. Seb placed his towel around his shoulders like a loose scarf and watched her silently. He couldn't tell if she was angry at him. How's your foot? It's fine. You should have a physician look at it. It's just bruised. It'll heal. Quickly. Seb added hastily. How was your week? Fauna tucked a strand of auburn hair behind her ear. It was long. Odie asked us at least 50 times a day when you were coming back. And Lumen, she's restless. And she isn't afraid to cry. Sebastian took notice of his wife's exhaustion and her faint smile and the bags under her eyes. That means she'll grow up strong. Seb stepped out of the bath one foot after the other, toweling his legs. She'll grow up stronger if she has her father present, Fauna replied mutedly. Seb wrapped the towel around his waist with a confused frown. It was one week, Fawn, and I needed to go. It's not that. She shook her head and took a few restrained steps toward him. What's going to happen if you don't come home one day, Seb? He stared at her, wanting to make eye contact. Instead, she stared at his chest, since it was at eye level. Seb shifted his weight again. I'm always going to come home. I've promised you that, haven't I? No matter where I go, however far, for however long, I'm always going to come back. What if you don't? Fauna's voice wavered. I love our kids dearly, but I doubt if I could raise them on my own. Seb rested his large hands on her slender shoulders. You aren't alone. We have Felicita and my mother and Vivian and... Seb! Fauna cried in exasperation. That's not the point! Tears filled her eyes, and Seb felt his throat catch. 
I shouldn't have to worry that every time my husband leaves, he may not return. I shouldn't have to lie awake at night, wondering if you're all right. I shouldn't... Sebastian wrapped her in his muscular arms and held her to his chest. She wanted to push him away, but she found herself unable to let him go. Fauna. Seb held her face in his hands and stroked her jaw soothingly. His honey-brown eyes were gravely serious, so much so that she knew she would wholeheartedly believe whatever he said next. I am not going anywhere. I am going to be there for our children. I will never leave your side. You promise? She blinked away tears from her watery gray eyes. Seb kissed the top of her head. I promise, my queen, that one way or another, I will be by your side until the day I die. Are you satisfied with that promise? Fauna nodded, placing her hands over his. That sounds ominous, but yes, I'm satisfied. She smiled up at him before moving in and hugging his muscular body. His short, fine chest hair brushed her cheek. I'm sorry I've been so emotional, between hormones and not getting enough sleep. Seb shushed her. Don't. It's fine, Fawn. You gave birth to a perfect little human. I'd probably be worse. They heard the dogs yapping excitedly and Odak shouting. They both sighed. You would be worse off, Fauna added as they went to the door. Men couldn't handle what we go through. Seb didn't reply, though he had to agree. When the regent finally saw his newborn daughter, his mother had just finished changing the diaper. Perfect timing, Seb grinned and kissed his mother's cheek. He lifted Lumen from the changing station, and Maria helped him put her into a onesie. Minnie's just woken up from a nap, so she'll be hungry. Minnie was Lumen's nickname from her grandma. At first, Seb asked her not to use it. It was far too girly. However, Maria ignored Seb's plea. Don't forget that I'm going down into the city tomorrow. I won't be back until after dinner, so you two will have to fend for yourselves, she said in reference to watching the children. I'm sure we can manage, Mom. Seb laughed, rocking his little girl in his arms. They could barely manage. Sebastian was forced to bring Lumen to a council meeting. Everyone stared at him as he held the month-old infant at the head of the table. Odox is having a rough day, Seb explained briefly. Motion to begin the meeting. In truth, the toddler was having a miserable day, as toddlers do now and again. Maria was in town, and Felista and Kyle were off on a family walk when the meeting began. Sub tossed a blanket over his shoulder and began patting Lumen's back. Fauna had just fed her. Diaper was changed. Nap was imminent. Partway through the meeting, someone asked, Any word on Malum? None, since Alice's assignment ended was the reply. Art. Seb had noticed the man's uneasiness since the beginning of the meeting. How are things on your end? Arthur folded his arms on the glossy table. My informant has missed his last two check-ins. So, chances are... He trailed off inside. <sighs> chances are he's taken prisoner or dead. I'll let you know as soon as I know more. Arthur had an undercover mercenary working in the largest black market ring and ride on. It had taken nearly a year for the mercenary to build trust with the dealers. If he was dead, they would have to start from square one again. I can take his place. Liam, Art's project partner, spoke up. 
No, you can't. Art shot down. Why not? Because you're too green, Art replied bluntly. Ever since he quit smoking, Art had lost a degree of his patience. Liam's face clouded over. He was in his early 20s, yes. I've been taming since I was 11. So when they ask you to descale a live dragon to initiate you into their circle, you'll be able to do it? Lumen started to fuss as their voices raised. Seb attempted to settle down the baby by swaying and talking softly to her. I'll do whatever I have to do if the Great Tamer asks that of me. Liam snapped. Maybe then you'll take me seriously. Art was about to fire something back when Lumen started to wail, and everyone at the table gave the bickering pair a dirty look. Sebastian hummed softly. Odax may have loved his whistling, but Lumen preferred feeling the deep vibrations in her father's chest. Is there no one else who can watch her? Is there no one else who can watch her? An older male tamer grumbled. Lumen was calming down, but Seb was focusing his attention on her instead of the meeting. No, there isn't. If you don't like it, you can leave, Seb replied shortly. The infant settled down, red-faced and unhappy. Let's move on. Did everyone have a chance to read my proposal on new armor for the Cayenne groups? Seb wanted all of the groups to have basic ogre leather armor, subsidized by the Tamers' Council. The armor has proven over its trial period that it reduces the chance of mortal wounds by 42%, and we expect to see an increase as more tamers use it and grow accustomed to it. That evening in the library, Biven cuddled Lumen as she dozed. Odax was running around, throwing his toys for the dog to fetch and bringing them to Fauna. He clambered over her lap repeatedly while she was trying to read. She sighed at her husband, who had fallen asleep on the settee. Odie, why don't you go see if Daddy wants to play? It was a vindictive move on her part, but Fauna was relieved that the toddler was finally giving her some peace. He raced over to Seb and hit his arm with his stuffed dragon toy until he jolted awake. Daddy, playtime! Odax ran off to grab another toy and Seb huffed, looking to his wife. She shrugged. Unless you can get him to sleep. As Odax ran over again, Seb held out his arms. Want a nap, baby boy? The toddler paused, his stuffy still clutched in his hand. He let his father pick him up and lay him on his chest. Seb whistled a quiet tune and rubbed his son's back. Odax crashed quickly, and Seb gave Fauna a tired, smug smile. She glared at him. She had spent the entire day trying to get Odax to nap, and end his cranky tantrums. She felt slightly betrayed by her firstborn. Lumen stirred in Vivin's arms, ready to be fed. Fauna could only wish she had the ability to fall asleep as easily as her husband and son. Maybe then, she would be less exhausted. The following day, Seb was completely occupied with paperwork and meetings. Vivin went out to the garden, where Maria was waiting for Seb so they could have their walk. She saw Vivin coming alone and gave him a knowing smile. He's busy? Very much so, I'm afraid. It wasn't the first time he had had to go out and give the same disappointing news. Well, if you're free, I wouldn't mind the company. Vivin didn't hesitate. He offered his arm, and they were off. The maintenance crew at the palace had shoveled the walkways in the garden. Halfway through winter, the piles were usually waist-high, leaving Fauna's plants to slumber far below. 
The back lot was quite expansive, and while Fauna's garden occupied a great deal of it, there was a section toward the back wall that was open space, save for a gazebo and a solitary, ancient bur oak. It had been planted by a princess nearly two centuries prior, and was still thriving. The snow crunched under their feet as they enjoyed idle chatter. A dragon flew in the distance, looping and lolling in the gray sky. They're rather wonderful creatures, aren't they? Maria said thoughtfully. Vivin inclined his head. A smile danced on Maria's red lips. Each time Arthur and I go out on the horses, Nocte follows us. He stays out of their view so he doesn't startle them. It's as if he's keeping an eye on us. It's very sweet. Vivin knew that that was exactly what Nocte was doing. He cared deeply for Maria, because as Tamer did. If only civilians knew the true intelligence and heart of dragons. The creatures were capable of so much more than the average person could comprehend. And that was why Seb had a particularly strong focus on the subject. The council and every tamer under its influence knew that he wanted civilians to grow more comfortable with the majestic creatures, to understand and appreciate them instead of fearing them. Nocte is very fond of you. Has he told you that? We don't speak often. But anyone, tamer or otherwise, can see that he cares for you. When Seb and Nocte return from a journey and Nocte pushes his head against your arm, that's the highest form of affection I've ever seen a non-tamer receive. Maria smiled. He's a good dragon. It was difficult getting used to him, but now I can't imagine Seb without him. Maria glanced up at Vivin, and his thoughts paused for a moment to appreciate her beautiful face. The way her honey-brown eyes shone, he could easily understand why Art fell so hard for her. And I know he'll protect him to his last breath. That's what dragons do best, isn't it? Protect. Vivin was about to respond when Seb ran over to them with a smile. Maria called out, Oh, careful, Sebby. You'll slip. From my height, it might do some damage. He laughed and stopped in front of them, his breath puffing in white clouds. I'm sorry I missed our walk. Do you want to have tea? Thanks, Vivin. Seb replaced him, and Vivin dropped back. He was certain that Seb would be thrilled to know that his efforts to encourage civilian-dragon relations were working. If the only person whose opinions changed in the end was his mother's, it would still be an accomplishment. Thanks for listening to Chapter 45 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews help more people find the podcast, so it's a huge help. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. I've updated the glossary with a tab labeled Chapter 45. If you want to check out characters from later on in the book, this is where they'll be, so there's no spoilers for earlier listeners. And as always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying. Anything but dragons. <laughs>